I am uh, ready to go when you is. Let's do it. All right. Hey, everybody. I'm Kimberly Adams. Welcome back to Make Me Smart, where we make today make sense. I'm Kai. <laughs> I almost brain farted on my name. Sorry. I'm Kai Rizal. Thanks for joining us on this Thursday, February 1st. The reason I did a double take was because I looked at the date and I'm like, oh, my God, it's February already? It is. Isn't that wild? That's ridiculous. Yeah. It is. But it is February, and today, and it's also a Thursday. So today we are going to look back at some of the big stories of the week with audio clips that we have lined up. So let's get to our first one. One of the things uh, that is very good, going to be very, very important is both what is the copyright protection as well as what is fair use in a world where there is transformative new technology. This one, you or me, I'll what take, do you think? You're taking it? All right. Sure. Yeah. I'll do it. We should, uh, that we should was probably Microsoft. figure that out beforehand. Sorry. Yes, uh, we anyway. should. Whatever. Uh, that was Microsoft CEO Satya Nadella in an interview with NBC's Lester Holt talking about the New York Times lawsuit against OpenAI and Microsoft. Other writers and organizations, including Getty Images, are also suing a lot of these AI companies, claiming that their copyrighted works were illegally used to train their AI systems like ChatGPT, MidJourney, and a bunch of the other ones. AI companies, on the other hand, say that these systems should be allowed to read whatever they want that's in public on the Internet, just like people do. Now, this week, our colleague Matt Levin was reporting on the suit and the ethics of using Internet data without the consent of those who publish their work online. And, you know, it's it's an interesting debate that the courts and and I, I hesitate to say Congress, but in theory, lawmakers will end up having to decide because, as Satya Nadella was saying in that interview, the old copyright rules just don't work anymore because it's a transformative technology. And so when you have a transformative technology, what is considered fair use? What is considered in the public domain? What's considered, you know, different? And, you know, As a journalist, one of the first things you learn is that if it happens out in public, it's fair game. You can report on it. If you're standing on a sidewalk, public street, you can see it. You can take the pictures. You can do whatever. And, you know, as long as somebody doesn't have, like, a reasonable expectation of privacy is something we learn about all the time. But, you know, do you ever have a reasonable expectation of privacy on the Internet? Right. Yeah. Yeah. But that's not what we're talking about here. Right. We're talking about copyrighted works, other people's intellectual property. Right. I mean, so I so when this I suppose I'm mixing it all together. Yeah. Well, everything on the Internet, which which is totally makes sense. Right. Because it's 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 just a a whole new world out there. But, you know, I um, Mm am. So when when um, the New York Times lawsuit was filed, I emailed Matt Levin, who's been covering AI for us a lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and I said, hey, do you know whether marketplace content has been used to train these LLMs, these large language models, like the New York mm-hmm. Times content has? Uh, and he said, I don't know, I'll check. And he got back to me like a week or two ago and said, you know what? A little slice of marketplace content was. So it's really interesting that the work you and I are doing is training these LLMs. Well, and you have to imagine our voices are being fed into these, yes, you know, sure. AI generation sure. stuff because sure. there's a lot of content of our voice just hanging out on so the internet. Very much. And so these sort of artificially generated voices for answering machines, for narration that you can buy now, 
probably has a little slice of us in it, and we're never going to get any money from it. <laughs> yeah. Because how do we prove it? Yeah. How do we prove it? Yeah. I don't know. All, All right. right, anyway, next piece of audio. We're, we're looking for greater confidence that inflation is moving sustainably down to 2%. Implicitly, we do have confidence and has been increasing, but we want to get greater confidence. What do we want to see? We want to see more good data. It's not that we're looking for better data. It's a, we're looking at continuation of the good data that we've been seeing. So that was, uh, in real life, the chair of the Federal Reserve, Jay Powell, yesterday at his press conference responding to a question from uh, Gina Smilek at the New York Times. Uh, Gina had basically said, what more do you need to see, Chair Powell, to decide it's okay to cut rates? And Powell's answer, as you heard, was more. Mm. And there's the, I think there's a little frustration out there that the Fed is like, yes, we know inflation's coming down. It's really close to 2%, but we need to see more before we decide everything's okay. Uh, they're not going to raise rates in the March meeting. Maybe after that, don't, or sorry, cut rates uh, in the March meeting. But, you know, who knows? Who knows what it's going to do? I wonder how... You know, we've done all these stories about people getting used to the higher prices and getting used to inflation, and yep. that's what's helping consumer conf- confidence improve. I wonder if there's an effort to sort of let that settle in even more before I don't know. making any changes. I, yeah, I don't it's, know. It's all speculation. I don't know. <laughs> all right. Uh, what do we have next? Let's go to the next clip. I mean, there's just some really exciting places that we would like to see on Mars that that I could see us using future helicopters for. And, and they'll be more capable than ingenuity because ingenuity has, has helped us learn so much about what can be accomplished. This was very sad. I know. It was. Okay. So RIP, the Mars helicopter ingenuity. That was Tiffany Morgan, director, deputy director of NASA's Mars Exploration Program, uh, speaking on a NASA live stream about ingenuity, which on its most recent flight suffered some damage to its rotors and NASA announced it will not be able to fly again. But let's talk about what ingenuity meant to us and celebrate the good times mm-hmm. of ingenuity's life. It was the first helicopter, to, as far as we know, to fly on another planet. <laughs> and <laughs> during its mission, it helped uh, out the Perseverance rover by scouting the Mars terrain and helping it navigate. And also, it was just freaking cool, like yeah, when that, that thing launched. And, and, you know, it did a lot and it lasted longer than people thought, mm-hmm. I think, you know, so... Go Ingenuity. Maybe one day we'll get to Mars and recover you and bronze you or something like that. Yeah, I don't know. It was super cool. Super, super cool. It was. All right. Last one for today. Uh, you will hear uh, the Secretary of the Treasury, Janet Yellen, uh, from Wait, Wait, this past weekend, talking about how this is true, how, to quote Peter Sagal, this is true, uh, how she prepared to smoke marijuana uh, for the first time when she was in college. I always try to prepare when I can, and I thought, how can I prepare for this experience? Well, why don't I buy a pack of cigarettes and try to smoke them and see if I can inhale, because I was told you can't really enjoy marijuana unless you inhale. (laughs) So I bought a pack of cigarettes. I started smoking them. Oh, horrible. It was a horrible experience. I couldn't inhale. I was coughing. I thought, well, I'm not prepared. I... I have to work harder at this. 
And she wound up uh, actually a smoker, although she she did quit. If you haven't heard it, listen to the whole thing. It was absolutely charming. She talks about Candy Crush and plays the game with Peter and the gang. Super, super fun episode. Highly recommend. I haven't listened to that show oh, you in should. years. I'll have to go yeah. back and listen to that yeah. one. That's it was, so funny. It was that, that little part of it was, was super fun. Super, super funny. It was great. It was really great. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we are done for today on that note. How do you top the Treasury Secretary talking about marijuana? Anyway, uh, Economics on Tap tomorrow. The YouTube live stream starts at 3.30 Pacific, 6.30 uh, back east. Yes, and also we're working on this fun new project uh, with your state cocktail ideas. I don't know if you remember back when we were talking about the brandy, old-fashioned, and and all these other things. But it got us thinking about state cocktails, and so we need your help. We are having a little cocktail contest, and we want you to vote for your favorite one. So to do that, sign up for our newsletter by tonight so you can get a link to get to our poll to vote and you can go to marketplace.org slash newsletters to do that and happy voting. Make Me Smart, which is the podcast you are listening to is produced by Courtney Bergseeker. Drew, 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 God, I'm screwing up everybody's name today. Drew Jostad <laughs> ran the board today. Alan Rolfes writes our newsletter. Talia Menchaca is our intern. Marissa Cabrera is our senior producer. Bridget Bodner is the director of podcasts. And Francesca Levy is the executive director of digital. We all want to be our best selves, but it can be an expensive journey. From experimenting with alternative medicine. I was working with a natural, holistic nutritionist and never really thought about the cost. To splurging on fast fashion. I'm spending like all my tips. I was definitely spending like $200 a week. I'm Rima Hreis, host of Marketplace's This Is Uncomfortable. This season, we explore the cost of self-care and the real motivations behind our spending choices. Listen to This Is Uncomfortable wherever you get your podcasts.